Welcome back to Send Spark Studio South here in Not As Sunny Today, Austin, Texas. Today, we've got Caroline Maloney, who runs the sales community and handles customer marketing at Apollo. Caroline, what's your favorite part about being my neighbor? <laughs> you grill me chicken once in a while, but it hasn't happened in a while. So I have to say, Brian, you're my fourth favorite neighbor at this point. That's ridiculous. I didn't know anyone else <laughs> lived here. Thank you so much for answering our initial question. Caroline, you want to jump into it? Yeah, I'd love to. Caroline, our listeners are huge fans of Reddit, especially ELI. Five, explain like I'm five years old. Can you give us the ELI five on what you're up to at Apollo? Absolutely. So I tell stories and paint pictures about why people love using us to reach out to people and have fun conversations. <laughs> That's kind of as distilled as I can make it, I think. One of my favorite things and one of, I think one of my value adds in this industry that we're in is taking complicated things and making them more digestible and easy to understand. That is the motivation behind this question. There's lots of different definitions for what people do with community and their customers. And I thought this was just an easy way of doing it. Thank you so much. You tell stories and paint pictures for the ways that people use Apollo. Yeah, exactly. And I also create a really fun environment, or I hope a really fun environment for people Let's to- hope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope so. For people to tell their stories and for people to make new friends. That's pretty much the basics of community, I think, is making I new was friends. I was literally looking at community and it wasn't even the Wikipedia or the Merriam-Webster's, but it feels like that's a good definition of community. By those definitions, you're doing a fantastic job. I know you just recently started the role. I know there's Daniel over there. I know he's all over LinkedIn. He seems like a great character. How's that going so far? I have to say, and I'm not just saying this because this is being recorded and he's going to listen to it. He's the best boss. He is an incredibly empathetic, empowering, motivating human. And he really encourages everyone on his team to take time off, to recharge, to be healthy, to put their lives first. Human first, not worker first. That's some yeah. high emotional, that's high EQ out of yes. Daniel. So that's really yeah. good to hear. I'm happy to hear it. Caroline, what is your superhero origin story? Your bit by a spider moment. You looked at the world one way and then something happened and it's led you to where you are now. I love this question. So I've been thinking about this for a little while and I usually tell people I was a professional actress for a decade, but the truth is actually that I was a professional actress since I could open my eyes and walk. I spent so much of my childhood performing. And I think Brian, you might kind of be able to relate to this. When someone tells you you're really good at something as a kid, you want to keep doing that, whether you like it or not, because yeah. as a kid, it's like, oh, people like when I do this, I'm going to do this and get more You're attention. You're getting a pat on the head, like, oh, exactly. I want more of this. Yeah, exactly. And so for me, my kind of origin story as to why I am where I am right now is I had this realization after college where I was like, I don't think I like this very much. There's a lot of harrowing toxicity in the performance space. And it's hard to make a consistent living as a working actor. Yeah. The majority of my friends who are actors in New York are actors and marketers, actors and salespeople, actors and bartenders, actors and nannies. It's not you just know, actors, period. Exactly. Unless yeah. you hit it big. Like I do have a friend, Josh, from college. He was in West Side Story and now he's in the new Hunger Games film. And I'm sure he's fine as an actor just doing his thing. But unless you make it big like that, yeah. it's really difficult to kind of make a consistent living. And so I had this realization where I was like, not only am I not fulfilled in this mm -hmm. career, but I'm not making any money. And I was living in New York City in a shoebox that costs way too much money. For you gotta make some of that when you live in New York City, huh? Exactly. And so my older brother, I think was the one who told me I should get into sales because of the transferable skills that actors have. And I'll just name a couple of those because I could go on and on about that forever. But public speaking, script memorization, 
assuming a different character. I think a lot of people think that they really have to fake it in acting or fake it in sales. And to a degree, you kind of do. But when you're assuming a character, you're really getting to know who you are. You're assuming the qualities of that person. You're diving into that person's psyche in an empathetic way. And in sales, you might join a company where you know nothing about the product and you kind of have to do the same thing you would do if you're studying a new character. Yeah, you truly do have to live in that person's shoes. Yeah, exactly. Right? Okay. So many Pretty transferable skills. Caroline, it's conference season. How's it gone for you so far? What was the most unexpected thing of it all for you? You go first. I'll answer the first part first because it's going amazing. We just did inbound and that's right. It just went so well. It was crazy how well it went. We totally super exceeded our expectations for demos booked and conversations had and all that stuff. But I think the most unexpected part for me is how rusty I am on my elevator pitch. Ooh. <laughs> like, because I don't like to think of it as a pitch. If you're meeting a stranger, you're having a conversation, you know, the number one question people ask when they come to your booth is, so What's tell me pitch? about blank. What do you do at blank? And if you aren't prepared for that, and I mean it when I say even the best sellers and I were kind yeah, of talking you take about, a second, like, like, oh. Yeah, like, uh, what do I right. do? What do I do? <laughs> so that yeah. was the most unexpected part for me was how rusty I was at that. I had to go to the bathroom at one point and just be like, what do I do? What do I do? What does Apollo do? We help X with Y to achieve Z. So that's what I was doing, Caroline, when we were walking around. Because last week we went to Saster while you were at Inbound. And something that I went around and did was film people. I went around to 10 booths. I only got 10 of them. And I would say, we're a video outbounding platform. We'd love to feature your pitch on our LinkedIn page. What is your 10 second elevator conversation starter? Not pitch, right? And I got to tell you how many people were like, no, I don't want to do that. Why? Yeah. Let's say I asked 16 to 18 of them. 11 of them did it. And the others were either not confident being on camera. That was the big one. Oh, Because okay. they would tell me, but not being confident on camera or just not wanting to do it on camera. And I know there's some privacy situations around that with other companies, but I was a little disheartened. Basically, that was one of my unexpected things. Similar, where people were that really unprepared with wanting to just spit it out. Maybe because I'm theatrical and you are yeah. theatrical, but even you kind of caught yourself in a second. I'm not in the position to really talk about my company in that way to have someone just, I'm the question asker most of the times, you know, but that's something that I too felt that was a little unexpected. Some people not being that all about it. On the other hand, there were some people that are all about it. Get me on camera or that person over there is on camera. I know the Carta team was fantastic. They had people in the other halls getting people to be like, oh, you got to go to the other hall to see us over at Carta. You got to go talk to Adriana. She'll do a great video. I thought they were very cool. So you get those two different types of ends of the spectrum yeah. at these types of things. Well, I think you and I, we're very similar. We know this, but I think you and I and people like us kind of assume that everyone in tech is super bubbly and outgoing and wants to be on camera. And like, they're not. it's not the case, but like, it's no. always jarring to me, especially when I meet a fellow marketer or a fellow salesperson. And they're like, I don't want to be the, on the front lines of anything. I don't want to. And I'm like, there's no shame or judgment. It's just interesting to me because so much of your job as a marketer is you're a storyteller. Yeah. Right? So if you can't tell those stories, it's just interesting to me. But yeah, that is kind of shocking to me. Yeah, hear. yeah. Okay. So that's something that you found. I have a question because what you'd mentioned is you had a very successful, you know, from a meeting set and demos booked. How are you doing? 
doing follow-up for this. So I'm taking a bit of a unique approach because I'm not in sales. So keep in mind, you know, I do marketing and community. I'm doing something a little unique. I think for the salespeople and for folks who got all of the inbound leads that came in, you know, there's going to be probably a standard like follow-up nurture. For people who booked demos, they're obviously going to hopefully show up to their demos this week and next week. But for me, what I'm doing is I'm going to definitely be inviting folks to the community. I actually had a QR code to join the sales community at the booth, which I think was a good idea. And I think for any community leaders listening to this podcast, take advantage of QR codes. We live in a world where everyone has an iPhone or an Android or whatever. So take advantage of that to help folks join your community or see what you're all about. But honestly, Brian, I booked about, I want to say personally, I booked 20-ish meetings. And what I'm going to be doing- 10 a day? I was really proud of myself, honestly, because- You should be proud of yourself. Thank you. Thank you for the applause. So with the people who I specifically booked demos with, I'm actually going to be using SendSpark. And I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you. This is actually my plan. I'm actually going to be using SendSpark to follow up with them and send them a little thank you video. And it's really easy to use SendSpark to do that, especially in LinkedIn, because SendSpark has this little extension in LinkedIn where you just go to the DM that you want to send. It's a little icon that shows yeah, up next to you, right? And it's really cool because previously, if you're not using SendSpark, what you have to do is send a selfie video on your iPhone and then import that into the LinkedIn DM. It's It adds a bunch of steps, but with yes. SendSpark, just do it straight from your computer. Well, I'm happy that you're using it and that you're going to be using it for the follow-up here because, I mean, in my opinion, there's yeah. probably less that you book directly with them, right? You don't want to put them in a nurture with a bunch of different people. It's almost yeah. like you want to make a direct video to each of them. It makes it much more personal. You saw me. I saw you. Here I am again. It's not just you only saw me once and you'll never hear from Caroline. Yeah, exactly. Caroline, let's dig into a use case segment on how you use video mm-hmm. at Apollo or in previous roles. What problem are you trying to solve when you say, you know what, let me use video here? So there's a couple things. And I love this question because I actually used video very successfully when I was an SDR, when I was an SDR leader, when I was an enablement leader. I will say, I think in the past three years, in particular, one of the problems that video solves is lack of face-to-face. Ever since COVID, I think that we've seen a huge lack of face-to-face connection, in-person meetups. Obviously, Zoom has done the job, but I think- Cool part it's a band-aid. Video. It's a band-aid. It's, it's like that meme where the water's gushing out of that big water <laughs> bubbler. In there. Yeah, you exactly. got Billy Mays or whoever that guy is that's slapping, <laughs> slapping the thing it on, on it. That's kind of the analogy of what Zoom has done for in-person or person-to-person connection. So I think one of the things that video has done, especially in the last few years, is put a face to a name without sounding cheesy. When I was an SDR in 2020, mm-hmm. video messaging saved my relationships with a lot of my clients who I was used to seeing in person or who I was used to actually meeting with. It was that way to kind of bridge the gap between an impersonal email and an in-person meetup. So what I really love about video messaging is it gives you that sense of who someone is. It gives you that sense of this isn't just a salesperson. This isn't a robot. This is a human and they have a job and they're passionate about their job and they want to take the extra step to actually put themselves on camera, look you in the virtual eye and tell you about what they do. Now I'll answer the second part of your question. How have I used it in previous roles? I actually like to use video messaging in a bit of a unique way. Okay. When people think about video messaging, they think name on a whiteboard, a gif of a salesperson waving in their inbox, and it's a little bit cliche and oversaturated. Yeah, it's like the best practice. Whenever it becomes a best practice, it is no longer a best practice. And so I never liked that. We tried that when I was an SDR leader at Leadspace, and it just didn't work. No mm-hmm. one was responding. I think it's worth noting that if your ICP is not sellers or marketers, it's not going to work. <laughs> like, that's be- be- like engineers aren't going to want to see a cute little bubble 
quality video of you with their name on a whiteboard. So what'd you um, do to turn that around? How are you using it uniquely in that yeah, way? So what I did at Lead Space when I was an SDR leader there, I did many POV videos. So if you're listening to this and you're a salesperson or a marketer or a sales leader, if your tool has a Chrome extension or something that's visually demoable, which a lot of these platforms do, think about who your ICP is. So let's say you sell Apollo, for example. It's a sales platform, mm -hmm. sales engagement platform. Who's your ICP? Sales leaders, a RevOps leaders, maybe even marketing leaders. So bucket your ICP into whatever three to five categories you have. Then think about the POV. How are those people using your platform? If I'm a sales leader and I'm sitting down every single day, what are the first three things I'm doing in the platform? What are the insights that I'm looking at? If I'm a RevOps leader, what are the first three things I'm doing? What are the insights I'm looking at? And then think about how you can leverage video to tell that story in 60 seconds, right? So you don't want to give away the keys to the castle. You want to tease it out. You don't want to show them everything because you want them to use that video to be like, oh, wow, that's cool. So when I was at Lead Space, that's what I did. We had marketers, RevOps folks, sales leaders. And so I bucketed that ICP into three categories. And I had my girls on the SDR team. It was all girls. It was Make such three a different kinds of videos for exactly. each of those, right? So exactly. it's almost like, Caroline, it's what you're using, what we talked about earlier. You're putting yourself in that person's shoes. Pretend you are the marketing leader going to Apollo as your day-to-day. -day, and that's how you're shooting the SendSpark video, the video message out there. Exactly. This is what your life would look like today. And it is as if they're doing it themselves almost, right? When they view it. It's because, and on SendSpark, you can do this. You make the video and you record your screen, but you put your face up in the corner. Yeah. So it's like, if I'm sending this to you, Brian, it's like, hey, Brian, this is Caroline over at Apollo. I wanted to cut through the noise here and just show you a quick video about how you would actually use Apollo. Instead of telling you, I want to show you. So 60 awesome. seconds demo. <laughs> Brilliant. Caroline, what results have you seen from using that tactic? That was the most successful campaign we ever ran at Lead Space from an SDR perspective. My team saw a big return with that. It was very successful. And I've used that same kind of tactic in campaigns in other positions at other companies. Okay. Yeah, it's Again, transferable. It's you can use it in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I will say it doesn't just stop there. You can make videos to address common objections. You can make videos to address commonly asked questions. And then when someone asks you one of those questions, boom, you already have a video template to send them. I think something that people get wrong about video messaging is that it takes too much time. And it, if you're sending a video to someone, you have to personalize it to them and take all this time. You don't. Just make a suite of batched content that addresses common questions, common objections, common product, you know, demos, common ICP flows. You're just reusing those. You're using them within whether that be the LinkedIn extension where you're just clicking on and you've got your library there. You just pop it right in, takes no time. Or in Gmail, in HubSpot, in Outreach, in any of these programs, it's that quick. Awesome, yeah. Caroline. What would you say to someone in your position and community or in kind of a marketing world or used to be in the sales world? What would you say to someone who is considering using video outbound and maybe found themselves on the SendSpark homepage? I would say SendSpark is a better alternative to other video platforms I've used like Loom. And to be honest, I think that SendSpark is probably more than just a video platform at this point too. There are so many capabilities that SendSpark has to be part of your go-to-market effort and not just a siloed piece of tech 
that you mm -hmm. purchase and use just for video. Right. Not just um, this little feature. Yeah, exactly. It's not just a feature. It's actually pretty comprehensive. So yeah, I would definitely say give it a try. I think you'll offer kind of like a free plan or a trial. I would yeah, say. Absolutely. Seven day free trial, sensepark.com. Thank you so much, Caroline. That concludes our Caroline Maloney use case segment <laughs> for SenseSpark. Caroline, what would you be doing for work in an alternate universe? I would own a library in the English countryside that also had a two mile long garden with roses and lavender. And I would be very cottage core. The vibes would be cottage core. It would be giving Jane Austen novel. I would wear like really long white flowing dresses and interact Ooh. with no one yeah. and bake a lot of bread. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's what I would be doing in an alternate universe. <laughs> this is very good. So by yourself, huge estate, wearing rad gear, bacon yep. bread. I love it. That's what, I, Jesus, I want to be in that alternate universe. Thank you so much for that answer, Caroline. Here's the next one. What is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love? What makes you weird? I really like video games. I like old PC games a lot. And I play Pajama Sam pretty much every day. It's like my comfort game. I don't know if, do you remember that game? No. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, for anyone listening who knows that game, you need to DM me because I barely meet people who know it. It's really fun and it's a game that you can play and win within an hour if you know the steps too. So I do that and I also listen. Okay, this is like the weirdest. I, I've never actually told anyone this, but- Great, let's hear it. I watch POV videos of Disney World rides because I love Disney World so much. Caroline, the person I just interviewed, this woman named Melissa Rall, I asked her what makes her weird. She goes, I'm a 37-year-old that's still obsessed with Disney. So POV videos of Disney World rides- yeah. That's incredible. That's so weird. I love it. I love Thank it. you I, so I, much for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> My reply to that one that makes me a little bit weird that's sort of in this realm. I love POV walking cityscapes on YouTube. Cool. That's cool. I like when there's a new New York one because I like seeing what's changed and I feel like I know every cross intersection. So that's my thing. My POV is walking around different cities. Caroline, what purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the past six months? I'm going to give two answers because I couldn't decide. The first one is a little bit more expensive than $100, so I'm sorry. But for anyone who lives in Austin, you know that the water pressure here sucks. I got a Jolie showerhead replacement. It has changed. I mean, my hair. It looks great, right? Like. It's, I was wondering, I was like, why does your hair look so much better than the first day I ever saw you here? Exactly. It's because <laughs> of this Jolie shower head. I think it's a little bit more expensive than $100, but they send you free filter replacements and stuff. So it's, in my opinion, completely worth it. And then okay, the next cool. of that answer is... A massage. I know that that sounds kind of weird, but if you're in a position where you work from home, where you work remote, and you're like me, and you sit like a shrimp all day, like I literally sit like the letter C, you need a massage and you need to do it. And it's part of body maintenance and you just need to do it. You can book a massage anywhere in this country for under a hundred bucks if you find the right coupon on Groupon. <laughs> all right. Awesome. So a massage doesn't have to be the full on hot stones or anything yeah. like that. Just get something to work the kinks out. That's all it is, right? Thank you so much for that answer. We are rounding into the final set of questions here. Caroline, I like making a mixtape for every single guest that comes on to the show. What kind of music do you like to listen to? I like country music, Disney music, folk music, show tunes, and anything that you could find in an old Hollywood, like black and white movie. Oh, that's cool. I like old timey, like so sort of yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. I'm reading a bunch of old books on New York right now, and they're talking about kind of old music and the 
old theaters on the Bowery and how that sort of migrated, like the high class ended up migrating the Bowery to Broadway, but they talk about kind of some old, old songs. So if I can pull one of those and put it on there, I'm going to be really happy with myself. All right, cool. So that country music, Disney music, folk music, show tunes, old Hollywood music, maybe Taylor Swift. I love Taylor Swift. Like that's my favorite artist. So. All right, cool. We'll put that one at the end. Caroline, who do you think we should interview next? I mean, I think that everyone on my community team is absolutely worth interviewing because they all have such incredible perspectives. That's Medioli, Taylor, Dan, Zoe, Kayla. They all come from such incredibly unique backgrounds. For example, Dan comes from a political background. He was in events planning. He did an event for the first lady two months ago. Zoe comes from marketing and sales, kind of like me, but she also is really, really incredible on social media, building her brand. I think we all know her. Kayla comes from a event marketing background as well, but not in this space in particular. So she has a lot of really cool insights. Yeah, kind of. different perspective. That's really cool. Thank you so much for those recommendations, Caroline. We have arrived at the final question of our interview. It happens to be the billboard question. Are you ready? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, I'm paying for it. Everyone would drive by it every single day and read it. What would it be and why? It would be my new favorite piece of wisdom. And that quote is, don't play it out in your head, play it out in real life. I love that quote because I struggle with anxiety. I have an anxiety disorder. And I think even if you don't have an anxiety disorder, everyone on this earth has probably overthinked something at one point in their life. And I love this quote because it reminds me, don't play it out in your head. Just live your life, be present. If something's going to be an issue, it's going to be an issue. There's no point in continuing to worry about it and making it even worse. Right. It's sort of like you're dying by a thousand cuts before you even get to the actual thing that might not even be that bad. And it might not right. even happen too. It might like, not even happen. Right. <laughs> so that's really great. Don't play it out in your head. Play it out in real life. That is a fantastic one. Caroline, I think we've done it. We just went through this so quick. It's just a very natural conversation with you, obviously being friends outside of the digital realm and in the real realm. So this is really great. Thank you so much for joining me. I guess my final question is, how do you think we did? I loved this. I think this was so fun. These questions are so unique and I think it deviates from the normal kind of business podcast which is really cool. Yeah, exactly. It deviates from the boring stuff. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us on I'm Not Selling You Anything and I'll catch you in the parking lot at some point, all right? Side, yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>